Today's episode is brought to you by No Boring Design. Wow, what a name. No, we know this team well. We've brought them in to help with a number of engagements when design becomes a bottleneck for shipping campaigns quickly. Uh, also when design is boring, right? A lot of B2B status quo becomes boring and it doesn't have to be. So we bring this team in, they level up the quality design and they remove design as a bottleneck to ship campaigns, content, product marketing assets, you name it. If it needs a design and you're hung up on it, this team can help. Um, somehow they managed to do this. I think their price point starting out is 2,500 a month. Uh, obviously goes up from there, but what a great resource. We've seen them firsthand do great work with Dropbox, Yelp, a number of our big clients they've been a part of. So check them out, noboringdesign.com, noboringdesign.com. Welcome to season three of Best in SaaS, where we talk through patterns and playbooks in the revenue sprint to 100 million in ARR and beyond with the industry's most accomplished executives, entrepreneurs, and investors. Season three is brought to you by Chargebee. Chargebee helps SaaS businesses of all sizes maximize the growth potential and revenue with a leading global subscription management platform that delivers fast time to value plus exceptional service and support. Learn more at chargebee.com. All righty, we're back. It's another episode. And today I'm here with Amy Garino. Amy, everybody listening probably already knows who Amy is, but for those of you who might not or want a refresher, right now Amy's the VP of Global Alliances at Ironclad. Prior to that, though, I mean, she's first off, she's an advisor to almost every every hot B2B company in the Valley, user testing, uh, Mavely, Upware, Metadata.io. I don't know if we're supposed to say .io anymore. Anyway, Metadata. <laughs> and you were an executive at Marketo for quite some time. So, And those are just some highlights. I mean, there's even more there. So Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. So you know, you and I were chatting before this, getting caught up on, on kind of what's top of mind. And I know we're going through this interesting time and, and likely when people listen to this pod, we'll still be in this interesting time where businesses are going from COVID mode to what's this new normal? How are we getting back into the workplace? So I'm curious for you, how are you thinking through that challenge? Well, I think it, it is definitely an interesting time right now. You know, uh, where we're, when we're recording this, California has just opened up and I had uh, a meeting yesterday was the first time I had met a lot of my teammates and colleagues at Ironclad. Uh, with a small kind of group meeting. Um, I mean, what an interesting experience. You know, I've been working with these folks for six months, uh, spending a ton of time with them on Zoom and calls. Uh, but but to be able to meet them in person, you know, just uh, adds, you know, just so much uh, uh, additional information or insights. And, and, and honestly, it's just a wonderful uh, opportunity to be able to to get to know the, these folks a little bit more because it's not not easy uh, on Zooms all all the way. Um, the the thing that I think is is most interesting is you know what is this new future of work going to look like? 
because I think we will be in doing something a lot differently. And in the meeting we had yesterday, we had some some of the people were able to meet in person. We still have people that were on Zoom. Um, and I think it's it's still uh, it's not an easy process. It's not 100 um, percent. You know, I'd, I'd love to have, you know, a, a way to be able to, you know, maybe have everybody in the room physically, even if they weren't. Um, you know, uh, physically there, but maybe through a VR or something where you, you feel like you're closer or something like that. I, you know, some, there's things that are happening that, that are probably not that too um, much further. Uh, but, but, but those are, are some of the things that are peeping about. And then I think it's also important is that a lot of people have started to think about, you know, what is this new experience? How much are people going to be in the office um, you know, at Marketo, we definitely were an in-the-office kind of, of group, um, and we did it a lot because uh, we were growing so quickly, things were changing so quickly that we wanted to have everybody in there. There was a certain energy level when you walked into that Marketo office you know, you knew that this place was, you know, there was a, just a huge buzz of excitement and, and things that are happening. So, you know, will people and startups and, and people that are trying to get to that, you know, 100 mark, uh, 100 uh, million mark, are they going to be able to continue to have that culture and that buzz and, and that thing if people are, you know, doing some sort of a hybrid, sometimes in the office, sometimes not? I mean, it's just a, a super, super interesting time. And, and no one knows. That's the most important thing is none of us have any clue as to what it's going to be like in, in a, um, you know, a couple months or, or a year from now. Maybe the uh, I don't I'm sure you remember these. It was like a Roomba robot, but it had almost like a broomstick attached to a Roomba with an iPad on the top. And, yes. and it was like, you know, the executives could wander around the office virtually. And maybe this is their finally their moment to shine. <laughs> you, you know, I'm glad that you brought that up because I had that ex, ex same thought like probably two days ago. Man, those things might come back. Yeah, uh, it, 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 you know, it's a little weird, but it but it might come back. They were, they were just before their time. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm going to skip around here a little bit. You know, you've had such a career thus far, and I, I'm sure you have a, a amazing plans in the future to continue to push and, and be the tip of the spear in the industry. And you're also advising so many companies that are earlier in their journey. So, you know, looking back, if you were to be able to give yourself as an earlier on in your career executive, some advice and knowing that we have a bunch of, whether it's VPs of sales, CROs, marketing, who are probably somewhere between, call it 10 and 20 million ARR trying to sprint to 100. What sort of kind of, I don't want to call them cheat codes because nothing comes easy in, in our industry, but what sort of advice would you give yourself? There's a couple of, of things. I mean, and all of it, it just been, it depends on where and what stage you are at. You know, I've been at companies where we're super early and trying to figure out that product market fit. The main question that I always try to ask myself and te the team, what problem are we trying to solve and who the heck cares? You know, who is the buyer? And, and is that buyer, what do they get out of it? What's, what's the value that they need for the business? But almost more importantly, what's the value that they want 
to get out of the business or, or, or get, get out of this solution. You know, I remember, you know, one of my early uh, days um, at a company called iPass, this was my very first startup. And um, one of the things that we really needed to do was to find people within organizations that understood the value of what we did from a business perspective, but there was a, a specific attribute of people that we were looking for. Somebody that was probably like a director level, and they were trying to get to that VP stripe. And because what we were doing, it, it, it made a ton of sense. It was a great business, but it wasn't the, the, the fanciest stuff that we ever, you know, that would get you excited about. But, but we could provide a really strong value add or, or, or ROI. So what I really tried to do is find these director levels that they were trying to find a business case where they could put their stamp on this and say, hey, look, in a very short period of time, we can make, we can solve a lot of problems and, and save the company money, also have a, a much better uh, experience for our executives. Um, and, and when you found that person who, who you, and, and you had to have that conversation with them of what's in it for you? What are you trying to do? Are you looking to get this stripe? Are you looking to find a new job at a new company? And this is going to be your, your uh, story on your resume. But you needed somebody that would really buy into this to get into something that is new. And, and so that's part of the kind of the early start stage things that you really need to think about. You know, what's the hard problem that you're solving? And then, you know, how do you have somebody, that persona uh, that sees the value is from a business perspective as well as a personal perspective. Um, as the company grows, then it becomes all about scale and focus. Because when you have a fast growing company, you know, right now at, at Ironclad, you know, we're on hot fire. I mean, it's, 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 it's wild. It's really, really fun. It's super exciting, but it's all the focus. How do we get, you know, how, how do we get our revenue traction and growth continuing to go and go, 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 go. But how do we stay on, on focused in terms of the right kinds of companies that we want to sell to and make that process and that path as smooth as, as uh, possible and kind of the, the happy path for Ironclad, but also the happy path for our customers so that we can get them up and running and seeing the value as quickly as possible. And then our partners, so that they can see how they can build businesses uh, you know, around ironclad and, and building out that practice. So we've got to find that, that happy path and, and keep that traction going and then finding the right people. You know, one of the things that, you know, uh, we finally got to with iron with, with uh, Marketo was finding kind of the right set of values. At the, at the beginning of Marketo, our focus definitely was just growing the business as fast as possible and, and achieving the business results. It took a little bit of time for the organization to really get comfortable with, oh my goodness, it really is important to have a set of values. And it was really important, super important around hiring people but it was also important for our customers to really understand that. 
one of the things that I really appreciated when um, I, I was talking to J- Jason Baming, our CEO, uh, earlier in the fall, as I was thinking about what I wanted to do, he and Kai, the, the technical co-founders, they wanted to have that set of values from the very get-go. So, so I think that that's also really, really important because it helps find uh find and attract the right people because you have a common set of, of values, um, but also our, it also helps coalesce the customers in the prospects because they can understand, hey, you all fit, you know, we, we all have a common vision, vis, uh, vision around what we're doing and why, and all of that makes fun. So, so those are some of the things that, that when I talk to some of the companies I advise or, um, you know, are, are part of organizations, that those are the kind of things that, that I really, uh, you know, wished I learned uh, more quickly, uh, but, but have uh, been, been able to, to uh, recognize the, the results when, when you're able to get it, read it done quickly. I love that. Yeah, this is... Uh... It reminds me, especially the the earliest piece you were describing on these early go-to-market teams reminds me of this piece that I find myself continually coaching marketing teams around, you know, like what is the thing, the, the story I tell them is like, what is the thing that whatever your stakeholder or group of stakeholders are, like they want to go to their kid's soccer game on the weekend and not have to bring their phone with them. Exactly. You know, like, yeah. What is that thing that you can put out for them where they have the confidence to do that? Yeah. No, that that and that was a story we used to say all the time to our customers in the early days of Marketo is, you know, what are you missing? You know, I know you're, you know, working late at night or, you know, uh, working on all day Saturdays in terms of building additional content or all this other kind of stuff. What are you missing? And you 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 get somebody to say, oh, because I'm not able to go to the soccer game. This is this is really why you're doing this. You know, you, you want to do it for the right reasons for a business perspective, but ultimately you understand why this is going to be valuable to you and, and it'll change your life. Totally. So speaking of life, I, I'm curious, you know, so many people got used to this new way of life working at home. And now this shift that we talked about earlier is happening and people are going back to the office or they're going back to a hybrid. I'm curious if you think that this thing that we've all been through has forced a reframing of priorities and, and how that may affect, maybe how it's affected you, if it has, and if and how you think it'll affect businesses. Well, it, it, it definitely has had an opportunity, or it's given all of us, I think, an opportunity to reflect and rethink through priorities or what's important. You know, when you have people have gone through, you know, COVID and have had, you know, family or friends that have impacted because of COVID themselves, or they've had to change uh, their uh, perspectives. Um, You know, I just had a chance uh, a week and a half ago to go visit. My parents hadn't seen them for 18 months. Um, You know, those are the kind of things you're like, holy cow, this is really, really changing for me personally, I've had a, a pretty significant health issue uh, that was, uh, I found out about 18 months ago that I had a brain tumor. I fortunately had you know great uh, medical care here in the Bay Area and was able to get to uh, UCSF and had surgery. So then I've been, COVID 
happened right after surgery. And wow. so then I was going through um, uh, chemo and all that thing. So, so I'm fortunate to be able to get that done. Um, and, uh, you know, it, but, but it has been a, a great or, or it has been a very interesting experience to be able to re, uh, reflect and have great gratitude for, you know, family and friends and why it was important. And it, it really has, you know, been, I think when you tie that back to some of the values at Ironclad, that was one of the things that I found really interesting that they, these guys knew this was happening. And, and yet they said, hey, look, you know, we're going to give you the flexibility to do what you need to do uh, because, you know, we think that you'll be able to provide a, you know, a lot of value to the business. But, but you know, and, and, um, and really, really just grateful for them and, and for the team to be able to support me. Wow. Talk about a perspective shift. Thank you for sharing that with us, Amy. All right. So before we get on to the second half of this episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our close friends over at Mattermade. For those of you who don't know them, Mattermade helps some of the fastest growing B2B SaaS companies drive revenue as an extension of their marketing teams. We're talking companies like Dropbox, Calm, Loom, Product Board, and many others who trust Mattermade to help them drive their marketing and demand gen initiatives. You can check out their seemingly endless supply of case studies over at mattermade.co. Now let's get back to the episode. So I, I, let's, let's continue down this personal side because I always find this to be some of the more interesting stuff. You know, being that you've had this incredibly intense career and built some amazing businesses, what do you do, um, obviously outside of COVID land, but what do you do to take your mind off of that and stay fresh as an executive so that you can be there for your teams and, and kind of bring your best? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that happened at, at Iron or at, at Marketo uh, was after we went public, we had, you know, an opportunity to do some kind of different things uh, when you have a little bit of, of money in the bank and you wanted to, we wanted to identify some kind of strategic initiatives. And one of the decisions that, that we did was to expand to Japan. And in that experience, I had built up a relationship with Dentsu, the big advertising firm, and then um, ended up uh, also uh, uh, reaching out to Sunbridge, which is now Japan Cloud, uh, the guys that brought Salesforce over there. Um, and, and we decided to make a joint venture together with Dentsu, Sunbridge, and, and Marketo. And then I ended up having an opportunity to move to Japan. Wow. And one of the things that, you know, my husband and I, this was a, a, a huge kind of leap. Uh, we didn't have any kind of Japanese language skills. Um, I knew that it was going to be a, a lot different uh, in terms of the business, uh, uh, you know, business culture, as well as just, uh, you know, from a personal perspective. Uh, but, but my husband and I said, well, you know, we're going to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think with those kind of situations, it, it really has helped us think about, you know, dealing with, you know, changes in, in whether it's COVID or, or my diagnosis. How do, how do you get comfortable with um, being uncomfortable? 
And and we absolutely loved Japan. We absolutely loved our team and, and the experience. Um, uh, when I came back to the United States, what we've done is, is stayed in touch with the D- D- Japan Society of Northern California, which also has a, a big group in, in uh, Boston. And what's you know really been fun for us in terms of uh, kind of straight staying fresh and, and learning new things is is we've continued to learn about the Japanese culture. Um, you know whether it's and in you know with through COVID they've been really good about kind of programming tied to uh, you know different events and and so in some ways it's it's opened up more worlds. You know we've done things where. Uh, we had an opportunity when we lived in Japan to to go down to Kyoto. Uh, we've done some Airbnb Airbnb experiences uh, via Zoom uh, around Kyoto uh, with with a, a great guy who is a a, a guide. And, and you know, it, it's so much fun. You think, well, this is kind of lame. It's a little bit weird. It, but but it you know just to have somebody who's there on the ground and sharing kind of a new area that we didn't know um, you know it just gives us a way also to to think about things uh, that we'll be able to do in the future once uh, you know uh, Japan opens up a little bit there um, you know we've uh, with the Japan Society we've also uh, had opportunities to do uh, like. Uh, tea uh, ceremonies and learning about uh, Japanese tea and uh, kabuki and and I mean just some incredible experiences that are are, are kind of tough times to to um, kind of wedge into your life or or maybe you just don't have an opportunity because you know you're not in Japan and you want it you know, have access to, to some of those folks. So, so those are some of the kind of the, the different things that we try to do to, again, put ourselves in situations that maybe a little bit uh, less uh, comfortable because it's a new experience and, and something to do. And I think when when you can do any of that in any uh, part of your uh, world, it just opens up new ideas and 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 uh, new new uh, kind of a, a new approach. Very cool. So, um, my last question for you as we wrap this up: Surely, you've had some mentors or, or folks in your life who have been influential through your career, and I'd imagine now you're having an opportunity, and for quite some time now, you've had the opportunity to do the same for others. Uh, I'd love to hear some of those folks who they are and and how they've been important to you. No, and and, and I probably have too many to to, <laughs> to mention. To be to be honest, there's so many folks. You know, I started my career at IBM and had you know so many great um, mentors and business uh, uh, bosses uh, that all you know played such a huge important. Uh, uh, importance of my role. Um, you know, there's, you know, a, a few of them, there's a woman named Jen Truitt, uh, was a boss of mine at IBM uh, for a long time. And I think she was super, super helpful in the early part of my career uh, when, you know, I was ma- newly re- married, had a young son and, and kind of understanding how you could manage all of that while uh, still be able to, uh, you know, do the things that you wanted to do from a business perspective. Um, and, and, you know, she always provided kind of the, the, the confidence 
that, that, hey, you know, you can just take this on and, and, you know, absolutely, you can do whatever the heck you want to. Uh, that, that was always great. Um, one of my other uh, early bosses, a guy named Eric Lee, uh, he and I then all ultimately uh, uh, joined multiple companies together, and we sort of went with as a pair. Um, he was a, a, a great uh, sales leader, and, and then the two of us would go into these smaller startups, and then we would, you know, take it on. Um, we were fortunate that our first uh, startup uh, uh, ultimately was uh, an IPO. And, and so a, a couple companies down the road, he was able to retire. Um, and we've, you know, had continued to stay in touch uh, with him for, for, for forever. Um, and, and it was always, you know, wonderful to have somebody again who provides that confidence and that, that kind of ex- experience um, I think for anyone that is either newer or in the middle of your career, if you can identify really um, great people that are maybe five or eight years ahead of you in the process, it is incredibly helpful to find those kind of folks. And in, in startups are hard, small companies are hard, hard growth is hard. If you can find people that you can do the partnership with um, multiple times. You know each other. You know exactly what to get done. You can move really, really quickly. Um, and it could be a pair. It could be, you know, I've, I've also had, you know, been very, very fortunate to be able to pull in people from um, other prior lives. But my last company, Kindy, uh, it, it was uh, a, it really a, a great people, group of people that I'd all known for 20 years from various parts of my life. It was almost like my my all-star team. I was able to bring them back together. Um, and and it's, it's such a wonderful experience to be able to bring a diverse group of people that have different uh, backgrounds and experiences but but the but you are the con- the, the the connection, um, and it's so exciting to was exciting to be able to to have that group together and 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 to see what was we able to accomplish because if you if you have that connection, uh, you can you you can get things done much more quickly uh, when when you know it and you understand it and um, it, it's uh, so you know th- those are some of the examples and and and, and then Tim Connors who's a, a VC who was my VC at at uh, uh, at Kindy and he also was my investor at another company we've known each other probably twenty five years we're both Notre Dame grads. And, um, you know, that connection has been just incredible, um, you know, from a, a business perspective, the connections, you know, his guidance, um, all of his, um, you know, he, he likes to think of himself as a, a VC that is incredibly supportive of founders uh, in the executive team. And he absolutely is. He's, he's a very, you know, kind of forward uh Founding forward, or whatever you want to say that word, uh, it, that and 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 you know that has been you know just a gift, um, and and the fact that you know so outside of business we've been able to do a lot of projects uh, around Notre Dame, both at the Idea Center, um, which is the innovation group and on the university campus, as well as what we call uh, ND Tech Forum that we just. Uh, 
celebrated our 20th anniversary of, of getting Notre Dame uh, alumni uh, alumni together around the topic of tech. Um, and so th those are, you know, those are just some of the folks, but I mean, there really is a huge uh, group of people that, that have been such a, a huge help to me. And hopefully I've been able to help, you know, some of the other folks um, uh, that, uh, you know, I've worked with uh, over years. And, and really at this stage of my career, it's, you, it's probably the most important thing that I do is how can I continue to help others that are coming behind me uh, to be able to share my insights, you know, my experience and, and what, and, and, and to be honest, the thing that's most Fun for me is I learn from all of them, um, even if they are fairly young in their career. Uh, they're they're teaching me things all the time, and 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 that ability to continue to learn is what's most important for me. Uh, so it, it, so thank you for that ask, that uh, question. Yeah, absolutely, Amy, and and thank you for coming on the show with me. I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much.